Wow, well, good morning. It is definitely good to be here with you guys, except for that it was 13 degrees or something like that when I uh, uh, walked out of uh, where I was staying into my car, which was, was tripping me out because I was thinking, like, why did I leave 86-degree weather to come to Grand Rapids, especially when the, the L.A. Rams are going to play the Super Bowl today, um, probably because we're going to riot whether we win or lose. That's just what we do in L.A. <clears throat> so... Anyways, I was thinking, I got off the plane yesterday, and it was like, yeah, it was like 18 degrees, and I was like, man, I should have just went surfing with my son today. I would have been surf all the time. You know, I get to surf, like, right, when you guys do this, I surf, right? It's, it's fun, so anyways, anyways, it, no, sorry to throw that in your face, you know. Uh, I'll be here with you for a week, and then I'm going back, so I'll be here. Oh, man, it really is an honor to be here with you guys, um, and just even just to be in this space, and just to think of... Uh, even the time, my short stint here um, in Michigan, that was, uh, that was, that was really a, a, a crazy time in my life and also just a, um, a time of refreshment. And one of the things that was one of my greatest refreshments was being here with you guys uh, at Redemption City uh, through, um, through good, good and bad and hard and all of that. And so just to see just God's faithfulness through the the journey of, of, of church planting and the journey of, of, of establishing the kingdom in the world even more and further is, it, it really is um, an honor. And, and I, I, I really appreciate uh, just, just even hearing how I get, got to be a part of that, right? And so um, you never know. You never know how God's going to use you. You never know uh, what God's going to do through your life. And um, as you just, you, just, you just go with God wherever he takes you, right? So, yeah, so thank you for, for hosting me today. It's good to, good, good to be back here, and I uh, wish my wife was here, although she, again, you know, I FaceTimed her, and I was like, look, remember? And she FaceTimed me and was like, look, remember? I was like, <laughs> let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, uh, to resonate, Lord, with that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness, Lord. And I thank you, God, to just be able to sit under even the singing of your people as they sing about who you are and just the way that the body of Christ singing about your faithfulness is a testament and preaches in itself, um, Lord, is, is uh, so profound and so Help, help that not to be something that stays up here, Lord, but, but works itself out into here. Lord, help us, to, help us to believe and to experience your faithfulness today, Lord. Lord, we want to know that you're faithful, and not just knowing intellectually, but knowing in whatever that thing called our hearts is. Um, help us, Lord. Help us. God, as we... As we work through um, the, the text today and this is God I go over just even the things that you placed on my heart and the way that um, it is organized God I pray God that it would it would speak of your faithfulness I pray God that it would increase God the faithfulness of your people and Lord I pray that you would um, even speak words that I didn't prepare you're the king, and we profess and know that you love us, so help us today. 
In your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so as we, uh, as we jump into Galatians uh, chapter 3, I just want to start off <clears throat> by saying that it can be difficult to follow Jesus. Like, like following Jesus can be difficult. Has anybody here had a difficult time following Jesus at times, right? Like, it can be difficult, right? It can get hard. It's not always easy. There's things that come up. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. Like sometimes things just happen in your life that just don't make any sense, right? Like you, you, and, and oftentimes that, that speaks against some of the things that our culture and even like uh, uh, our contemporary Christianity talks about uh, when, it, when, it, when it speaks of what it means to follow Jesus. Sometimes following Jesus is presented to us as, as things are always going to go well for us in this life, right? Or things are always going to go as, and how we interpret that is, is things are going to go as I perceive, right? As I perceive them to be. And things don't always go the way we perceive them to be. Things don't always go well according to maybe the principles of this world or even according to like, like things just don't always go well. Like there's things that happen to us in our lives and in the world that, that, that God's not happy with, even as believers, Right? Even as we go and we follow him and, and, and we are o- obedient to, 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 to take up the task to follow Jesus, there are some things that happen to us that God's just not pleased with. Right? Sometimes we think that in, in God, what God's sovereignty means is that, that God is somehow orchestrating everything in such a way where we have interpreted that and where in our subconscious we believe that God's the author of evil even in our own lives. And that's just not true. Sometimes life doesn't make sense. Sometimes God doesn't give us answers when we want them. Sometimes we'll live our whole entire life like not understanding why things happen. And and you know what? We may even live for all of eternity not having the answers that we want. Things don't always make sense. Other times circumstances pull you away. There are things that happen in your life that just grasp for your attention and they pull you away from God. They pull you away from, they take your gaze. They're, they're, like, they're just grasping at you, taking your gaze off of the things of the Lord. Taking your, taking your eyes off of Jesus. And they pull you away. <clears throat> Other times there are culture wars that pull us away. Right, we we know from our yes, maybe it's not like that here in, in Michigan like it is in L.A. There's, there's no culture wars here, right? <clears throat> I've been off social. So yesterday was like my first day back on social media after like four months, and I was like, "Yep, it's still going on, like it's still happening." I thought I, somehow I thought like coming back would be a little different. Maybe I was naive, right? The culture wars, right? And the culture wars pull you away and they, and they, and they, and they, and they, and they like, they evangelize you. <laughs> they call you to, to participate in whatever, whatever theme that they're calling you to participate in. Sometimes it's our family dynamics. Things happen in our, in our biological families or, or, or maybe our, 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 our chosen families, right? We're, we're, our families of origin are the, 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 are the, the, have, have strong influences and pull on our lives. It matters to us what people think, right? It matters to us what our families think of us. We want people to think well of us, and it's hard when they don't think well of us. Maybe we've, re- maybe, maybe we've reacted and we don't care what anybody thinks about us, and that's actually our way of we're getting pulled by that. Right? 
<clears throat> I was actually thinking about this this week. I was doing some um, I was doing some work for seminary, and I was I was I was thinking about uh, just uh, some some of the ways that God has wired me, and some of the some of the ways that I like respond to pain. And I never I never realized it, but like like one of the things that's really difficult for me is like I don't want to be put in a box. Right, like I, I, I remember, I grew up in the hood. I grew up as a gang member, and like, and then like, when, but when it came to the point, it was like, this is what you're supposed to be like. This, I was like, ooh, that's not me. Like, I don't want to be a part of that. Oh, this is what everybody else does. I'm gonna go the other way. Oh, this is what this is what you do. Okay, I want to. Do that. Oh, the, the the crowd is going this way. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go the opposite way of that. And I didn't understand where that was coming from. And I was like praying about it. And I was processing it. And this week, I remember like like I never wanted to be like my family growing up because my family was a mess. And so the way, that I, the way that I learned how to cope and the way that I learned how to heal was to, was to, was to just, just not be like them. Like, like it was like my life's goal to not be like them. And sometimes, maybe, maybe that's you. And there's these different, and it vies for your, maybe, so your family dynamics have, it's like pulled you in a direction, whether towards your family or against your family, but somehow you're responding and reacting and it's pulling you in a direction. Our communities of origin pull on our loyalties. Where we grew up at, the, 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 the neighborhoods, maybe the, uh, the neighborhoods we grew up at, the communities we grew up at, the, 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 our, the people group that we're a part of, pulls on our loyalties, whether we understand it or not. They, they grasp for our attention. They, they, they want something from us. <clears throat> Whether it's life, the circumstances, the culture wars, the family dynamics, the communities of origin, everybody and everything is grasping for our attention and calling us to join their cause. There are always people around us telling us who we should be, what we should become, and how we should be living our lives. It's always happening. There's always someone around you telling you who you're supposed to be. Speaking a narrative over your life. We have a whole entire culture. You grew up in an education system that tells you who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to become. The media tells you who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to become. Influencers tell you who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to become. Sometimes this is merely a part of living in a world with limits and liabilities. Like... Sometimes the circumstances are just part of living in a world with liabilities and limits. One of the things our culture tells us is there is no liabilities and limits. We could be anything we want to be. But that's just not how the world works. Other times it's the result of cultures and people trying to define meaning and organize their lives around the conclusions they draw and they want you to join in. Sometimes there's, there's, there's people just don't understand why we exist. Right, like so it's something, even as Christians, sometimes it's hard for us to be like, this still doesn't make sense. Like, what's the what's the point? Like, why are we here? What are we doing? Like, what's what? What do you? Is it a game? Are we like? What is it? Like, what is this? Is this like some chess? Like, or why are we here? Sometimes we don't even understand God and why we're here. Right, and so what happens is there's like if that happens to us, even in the church, right. And if that's like some, that's hard for you to grasp, just read the Psalms and you realize that I'm not the first one who said that, right? Ecclesiastes, right? Like, 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 like it's just pointless. Why are we here, right? Like, but if even, if like, if like God's people throughout all generations, like, and, and if like, like, if we're 
if we don't even understand it, right, who have experienced God and, and, have, and have like the testimony of, of God's people throughout all of history speaking that over us, <clears throat> of course, people around us, they're like, I don't get it either. So they try to form meaning, right? They try, they try, to, they try to ask questions. I was reading about, was it Descartes or whatever was his name, dude's name? You know what I'm talking about? Descartes, right? Descartes, whatever. Like he was, yeah, like, like Descartes, he was like, so I, I can't remember what he said, but he was like something like, I, like I know, so then I, then I do exist. Like he's trying to figure, like, it's like a weird thing. Like, I guess I do exist. Like, dude, like, just look in a pond. I don't know, how long ago was he alive? <laughs> I don't know, they mirrors back then. <laughs> but <clears throat> you exist, bro. You know, like, but you're trying, to, you're trying to find meaning, right? We try to find meaning. And, and, and what happens is sometimes people, they, they, they gather this idea and, they, and they, they formulate meaning. And then they say, this is what life is about. And then they call you to say, if you really want to know a life, like, like you got to join my club and you got to join my thought process. Like, like this is what me, right? We get called to that. And sometimes it's actually more insidious than that. Sometimes it's more directly evil. And ideas are used to, to keep people down, to oppress some for the benefit of others, or to keep people in communities from access to what other people in other communities have. Look at the history of, 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 of racism in America. You look at things like redlining. You look at, you look at just the ways like even that we talk about as a nation, different nations and different peoples and the narratives that come about, right? Like there's just different, like all these different things like are, are calling us to things sometimes. And sometimes it's just a little bit more evil. Other times it, at its simplest form, it, it shows up in the clicks in our workplace, right? You go to work and there's, there's like, like, okay, I know I got like to, to succeed here, to thrive here. I got to kick it with these people. Like you don't, that, that dude right there, like he's already out. Like, he's probably about to get fired. Nobody likes him, so I'm not going to hang out, right? And we just get pulled into these different, different, different plays. Maybe it's your clique at school or your, or your professor, the social clubs in your community, right? Tell me, like, this is, hey, this is what it really means to actually be, like, you know, progressing and stuff. Like, you, you got this. Like, you just got to join, right? And you get called and pulled in all of these different directions. It's oftentimes even in the church, Sometimes the church pulls us in directions that are actually away from Jesus. And the through line in all of this is conformity. Some person or some group sets the narrative, creates the expectation, and defines how things are supposed to be. And the pressure to conform is enforced. And if you go against this defined norm... There are consequences, usually socially, sometimes physically, but always costly. And when this occurs, a dilemma is presented and you're confronted with a choice. Is it really worth going against the crowd? Am I that serious? Like, am I that serious about what, what I'm about? Is the crowd wrong? And, and it's, 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 it's even more, it goes even a little further than just making up a cognitive mental decision to say that, like, yeah, I, like I'm, I'm with this, right? It goes further to ask the question, 
am I willing to suffer the consequences of going in another direction? And ultimately, am I that enthralled or captured or captivated by whatever or whoever is drawing me away? As it pertains to our faith, brothers and sisters, I hope that the answer to that question is Jesus. I hope that it's Jesus that captures our attention. I hope that we're captivated by Jesus. I hope that we're captivated by the person of Jesus, not just ideas about Jesus. I hope we're not just captivated with some theology. I hope we're not just captivated with some, 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 some formulation or, or articulation of something that we've, 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 we've come up with in our mind or we've taken root of, right? I hope it's not just because we're convinced of something by somebody because then we can just get convinced away. I hope that we've experienced a person, Jesus, and we're captivated by him. Because it's Jesus who draws our attention and invites us to come along, sometimes away from the crowd, even the religious crowd or the crowd who assumes they set the pace. And it can be costly. Our passage is at the center of the Apostle Paul's letter to the churches of Galatia. If you're new to the faith, the Apostle Paul was, was, a, was a convert to, to, uh, to the way of Jesus um, after persecuting. The, he, was a, he was a persecutor of the church. He was a, a high-standing uh, religious person who, who, who persecuted the church, killed Christians, right, and, and met Jesus in a radical way. He actually, like, met Jesus and, and was invited to come along, and then he went, and it cost him a lot, Right? And he planted churches. He went about starting churches. He went about uh, uh, telling t- everyone around him about Jesus. And the churches in Galatia, the letters that he is writing are to churches that he planted. This is a man who sacrificed, who suffered on behalf of the church, planted churches, and deeply cared about the people that he led to King Jesus. And you know that because you read some of his letters and he talks about the anxiety that wells up inside of him when he thinks of their suffering or when he thinks of the ways that they they lose their sight or their gaze pulls away. And this is one of those letters he's writing to them. We know from the book of Acts that Paul encountered strong opposition from the Jewish religious leaders when he was in this region. When he, planted, <clears throat> when he planted these churches, he, he encountered strong opposition. In Acts chapter 14, we read how many people came to believe in Iconium. Like there were tons of people who came to believe, right? Like Paul's going over here. He's, he's, he's telling people about Jesus. Tons of people are getting saved. And it's, and it's like, it's making some people mad. And it says that, that, it says that how the unbelieving Jews, because they weren't happy with the apostle Paul, was stirring up the Gentiles and poisoning their minds against the apostles. They were actually, like, so imagine this, like, imagine uh, Pastor Mike comes, right, and he's up here, and he's telling you about Jesus, and there's somebody in here who, like, it offends, 
right? It's, it's somebody in here who like, man, by lightweight, like, you can't say that. And so instead of actually just like going and, and dealing with him, they decide to actually come to Redemption City Church, start having dinner with all of you people, right? And then start to like just insidiously and, and, like, and like viciously just start to tear down his character and his message and be like, he ain't the real deal. Like this is what was happening. The apostle Paul's going, he's planting churches, and then people are coming behind him and they're just poisoning the, the minds of, his, of the people. This is probably why Paul opens his letter defending himself and defending his message. He opens his letter saying, hold up, like, like dude, don't you remember like, who I am? Like, like, remember what I said to you? Remember when, we, remember when I was there? Remember what happened? Like, you don't remember all of this? He comes and, he, and he, open, he opens defending and then he starts defending his message like, dude, like, hold up, I got to pull you out of this. Why? why? Why is he doing that? Because the people were pulled by the crowd. They were pulled. They were getting pulled away by one of those crowds. These believers began to be influenced by Paul's accusers, and, and, they, got, and they started like, oh, their gaze started going away. Is that you? It seems that Paul's main aim in this letter, if I were to, if I were to think of like, what is Paul's main aim? He wants to grab their attention. It's like, it's like you're, 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 you're think of my son when he was little trying to run in the street. And I'm like, dude, get over. Hold up. I told you the street is dangerous. Like you run out in that street, bro, you're going to get hit by a car. Like, no, come on. Right? And I see Paul like grabbing their attention. He wants to grab their attention, look them in the eyes, remind them of what he told them before. And, and like turn them around and say, like, that's the sidewalk. His main aim, what I believe, is to grab their attention, remind them of the circumstances surrounding their faith before charging them to live it out. Paul writes this letter as a shepherd, as a pastor, caring for those he brought along. And I think there are two sides to what we can gain from Paul's letter simply by the means that Paul uses to pastor these people. So we have the message that Paul, we actually have like the, the content of his message, but then I want you to think of the content of his message as the means. There, I think there are two things, two sides to what we can gain. For one, <clears throat> there are tons of theological articulations in the letter that help us to understand God, ourselves, and how things work. We could read this and we could gain like a deep theology. We can gain like a deep understanding of like, okay, how, like how things work. I think it's like the, I think there's something like of the mechanics that Paul is teaching them, right? He's like, he's showing them, no, this is how, this is the mechanics of how this works. I'm a, by trade, I'm a union plumber. We like do high rise new construction and, 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 and there's like one of the ways that we train our apprentices, right? It's not just by telling them what to do, but it's also by like showing them this is how things work and why they work, right? And so I think part of this letter, some of these theological articulations are the mechanics to show them how things work, but for a purpose. And, and I want to, I want to side note for a second. In our time, this is usually 
how the letter is approached, right? When we think of the, the, the letter to the Galatians and when we think of some of these letters, we're looking for the mechanics and we build our, we, 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 the, we focus on the mechanics, not thinking sometimes about what actually is the purpose of, of, of the unraveling of the mechanics in the first place, Right? And we should do that, right? We should reflect on these things because they, they speak things to us. They tell us truth about God they, 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 that goes deep into our souls that help us not just believe at a heart level, I mean, at a head level, but at a heart level as well, right? But I think there's something more that's going on here. While Paul uses these theological articulations to teach his point and to guide these believers I believe that his main concern is the aim of their love. He's most concerned with the aim of their love. There's a reason that they're wooed away. There's a reason they're being wooed away. And although Paul wants them to understand how foolish and fatal their attraction is, He wants them to know Jesus, and he wants them to be enthralled and captured by him. That's that's my hope for us today. That's my prayer for myself. So what are these theological articulations? First, Paul goes to great lengths to discuss the doctrine of justification. That's That's a big theological term, Anybody ever heard it before? In Grand Rapids, man, this city is like Christian city. You guys have heard it, whether you know what it means or not, you know? I'm just kidding. Kind of. <laughs> You're like, go back to LA, bro. <laughs> Hope you drown surfing, huh? No, you bit by it. <laughs> so he goes to great lengths first to d- discuss the doctrine of justification, right? I think he, but I think he does this not because it's his main point, but because his opponents are telling people that Paul is crazy to think that God would accept Gentiles who didn't first become Jewish converts. So I think Paul is going through this doctrine of justification, right? Not to just, not just to say, hey, here, here's, here's the main point. But he's doing it to say, let me show you the mechanics because what happens is the people are coming and they're attacking Paul and they're attacking his message and they're saying, that dude is crazy to think that God's going to accept you without first becoming Jewish converts. And here's why I think this is true. Because if you know anything about Jewish history, God-fearing Gentiles wasn't like a new idea. There weren't like, like when, when Jesus came onto the scene, that wasn't the first time that there were Jewish converts, right? That wasn't the first time that there were, there were people who were Gentiles who were converting to Judaism or the way of God as they knew it. Gentiles didn't first become converts after Jesus. There are tons of examples in the scriptures of Gentiles Joining the Jews by means of conversion. So I don't think Paul's main point is just about conversion. As a matter of fact, the Gentiles even had their own court in the temple. In the past, though, in the Jewish understanding, to become part of the Jewish people, 
You had to take on the customs and the practices of the Jewish people. To become part of the Jewish people, you had to actually start living as if you were a Jew. You had to start following the Jewish ceremonial law, including circumcision, which is the main point of contention here, right? In the, in the, in the book of Galatians, the, one of the main point of contention is they're coming to these, these, these Gentile converts and they're saying, you have to get circumcised, right? And, and by that, then you'll be justified, but here, like, so in our, like, evangelical, if you grew up in the church, or maybe, maybe this is new to you, I'm sorry for distracting you with this, but I think for the people in here who know this, it's really important. Like, their main point isn't necessarily thinking, this is how salvation works in that sense. Like, it, while there's some of that there, they're, what they're really trying to say to them is, no, nah, you have to become, if you want to be with God, you have to become a Jew, full stop. And Paul's like, dude, that's not, that's not how it works. When Paul preaches the good news, the message of Jesus and his kingdom of shalom, and he, offer, he offers full citizenship to these people. He offers it. He says, you can come in full stop into the kingdom of God, into his kingdom of shalom. The promises of God for all of history that were promised can be yours. And he says, you can do that and you don't have to become a Jew. It angered his Jewish opponents, and they wanted to shut it down. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Some people, like, like think of, if, you, if, you, if you think of like, if you think of the suffering and you think of all the like turmoil that happened in, in, throughout, in, in Judaism throughout history, <clears throat> like their like being Jews was like a, a major source of their identity. Right, like, like this was like who they are. Like, this, it's like imagine if like, 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 less in LA, but in different parts of our country. Like, imagine like America is like, no, you have to shed your American identity. It's like, like, like we're like, man, no, like we're we're the land of the free, the home of the brave, right? Like we we think these things, we and we don't even like. <clears throat> Like, it's funny when I talk to, like, when I talk to people from, like, around the world, like, global Christians, they're like, man, like, it's hard, man. Americans, you guys think you're cowboys. Like, you come, you run the show. Like, it's, it's hard. Like, we have this, but it's, like, it's, like, birthed up in us, right? Like, it's, 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 like, it's why, like, when we start having these culture wars and there's these different things, like, like, one of the things that's really hard for us as Americans, Christianity at times, is to realize how we've syncretized our faith with our American values, like, we've just assumed that these things are the same. <clears throat> we gain identity. Like, it's a part of our identity, right? Like, and it, so it makes sense. Like, the, the Jews were like, this was, like, we have Yahweh on our side. Like, pfft, like we got God, right? Like, this is what they, like, when all right, Romans, like, you ain't got nothing. Like, we, we got Yahweh. Like, he's, he's got our back. He's going to come back. He's going to smash on you dudes. Like, like, why? You'll see. You'll see. They were waiting for a long time, right? But and they were like, and they, one of the things they were, as they were waiting, they kept trying to make sense of it, right? But like, but they had this kind of underlying, like, you don't know who we are, right? <clears throat> it was like big. And, 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 and truthfully, some people benefited off of the ranks that they established and the reputation they had as a Jewish person. If you think like of the Sanhedrin, 
right? Like the, the Sanhedrin was like the religious party, right? Well, but one of the things that was with the uh, that was that w- the Sanhedrin was known for was benefiting off of their like special place in order to like rule the people. They benefited off of this stuff. Right, some some of the, the Pharisees, the religious leader, the, the, which was another party, like like benefited off of like off of being like holy, right? And so now now Paul's like these dudes can like just come in for they're like whoa hold up that ain't how it works. <clears throat> being special and chosen was to was and continues to be a massive source of identity to these people, and Paul's messaging. In their mind, which it, like it doesn't, right? But in their mind, seems to shut this down. But the problem is when we, when we actually study the scriptures and we and we listen to the message of Jesus as it relates to the historic and ancient message of God, right? Which Paul draws on here, right? If you if we think about it, Paul Paul draws on the message that God the the, the gospel that God spoke to Abraham. Right, it's, it's, he's like, hold up, like what Paul's trying to do is show them, like, like no, it doesn't, right, right. So if when we think about it, when we think about the, the ancient and, and the ancient message of God, right, His promise that He's always been speaking, what we see is that not God's not trying to shut down the Jewish community and their identity and all the promises to them. It's that they largely abandoned God and got the message wrong. In regards to the law, they they misinterpreted the point of the law. They saw their privilege as a right instead of a responsibility to love. You think of that when you think of like all the like the the prophets and all the the ways that that they were rebuked for the ways that they abandoned their first cause. Like they abandoned what they were called to. Like, hey, dude, you were supposed to be out here like loving the world around you and like and like being an example to these people and like you're just tripping. For them, the law had become a badge of honor instead of a mirror, and they used it for their gain. Right? This is where they said, man, you you, you make up these laws, and, like, you take, you heap heap these laws on the people. Like, you can't even keep them. But for them, like, they had to do this, right? They they learned, like, how to control the situation so that they can find a a, a stepping stone and, like, a a ladder to, to identity and worth. Does that happen in the church? Right? And now, now that Paul's like, 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 okay, no, Gentile believers, they can come in. Like, as they're wrestling with this idea, they're like, hold up. Like, if you want them to join, join the game, they got to, like, play the game. And Paul wasn't having it. And so for this reason, Right? Paul destroys their argument against him and proves that this kind of thinking never worked anyway, which provides us with the doctrine of justification, which is more the means and not the point. Consider verses 3, 1 through 9. You foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by the spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing? 
if in fact it was for nothing? So then, does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? Or is it by believing what you heard, just like Abraham who believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness? You know then that those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. Now the scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and proclaim the gospel ahead of time to Abraham saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. Consequently, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. If we see in this passage, what Paul is doing is he's clearly pointing out that it has always been by faith, even in the past, which would indict his opponents, right? He's saying, look, like, how does he say that God preached the gospel to Abraham? And, and he actually defines the gospel there, right? And he defines the gospel by saying, all the nations will be blessed through you. Think about that, right? He like literally, he, and if you think of what that does, it's indicting his opponents. He's saying to them like, hold up, like you guys think it's by the law, but it's never been by the law. It's always been by faith. Look it, even, it was even by faith to Abraham all the way. He was justified by faith the whole time, full stop. To prove this, um, in verse 10, he qualifies what he means, right? He says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Because it is written, everyone who does not do everything written in the book of the law is cursed, right? And, and here's why, how he's qualifying that. He's not saying that the law is bad. He's saying that reliance on the law is insufficient. And then he begins to quote Old Testament passages to prove it. Like, like, these, like this, these passages are, are, are uh, the righteous will live by faith. All these, that's like from Habakkuk. Like he's, he's going back to the Old Testament. He's saying, look, back then it was never by works of the law. It was always by faith. And he goes even further in chapter 5, verse 14. So he's not saying don't keep the law, right? Because he goes even further to, in chapter 5, verse 14. And he says that the entire law is fulfilled in one statement, to love your neighbor as yourself. And so in this, we see that Paul does not oppose the law, but instead opposes those who find their worth in supposedly keeping it while using it to keep others away from God. Paul says, don't you know how ridiculous that is? That's what he's saying. He's like, you foolish Galatians. Don't you know how ridiculous it is? It didn't even work for them. Why do you think it's going to work for you? I already told you, like, like God accepts you. Like, come on. Like, it's all, you're, it's all good. Come in. And now you want to go and you want to actually get wooed away by these people who are, who are telling you to do something that they couldn't even do. He says, it's ridiculous. And if you, if you want to live that life, you don't know Jesus. And you're going to have to live with the consequences of that. As the old saying goes, if you live by the gun, you die by the gun. That's Paul's point. <clears throat> but again, what's the reason for all of this? It's because the Galatians are being wooed by the crowd. In verse 3, 1, he asks, who has bewitched you? 
who has bewitched you? <clears throat> like who's confused your mind? Like who, who came and like told you this stuff? Who has bewitched you? <clears throat> the Galatians were presented with another pathway that was more controllable, was accepted by those around them, and their gaze began to drift. Maybe they were afraid of rejection and they wanted to fit in. Maybe they were like, I don't know, man, I don't want to be rejected. And they just wanted to fit in. And so they were tempted to conform. Perhaps the law provided a pathway to growth while faith in Jesus positioned growth in a person instead. You see, it's easy, right? We want a pathway. Just show me what I got to do. And Paul's like, that's just not how it works. Like salvation and not just like, not just salvation, like God's presence is found in the person of Jesus. Freedom is found in the person of Jesus. Life is found in the person of Jesus. Jesus, it's not about a pathway, it's about a person. And while they might have presented a pathway, Paul's inviting them to follow Jesus. <clears throat> and finally, perhaps retreating to a suburban Mecca was more attractive than participation with God in the renewal of the world. Maybe in their mind, they said, hey, like this? I, you know, I could, I could control these things. I could get my life. I could, have my, I could get my system. Everything will be straight. Like, it'll all be good. And you can retreat from life. And Jesus calls us into the world to be part of the recreation, to be part of bringing shalom, to be people of peace, to be those who love our neighbors, to be those who live lives of courage and faith in a world that's constantly vying us and pulling us away. Either way, they, they were tempted to abandon the faith when the pressure was turned on. And Paul is warning them of how foolish and fatal that would be. And whatever their decision would be, one thing was for sure. And this is what Paul wanted them to know, that they can't have it both ways. And neither can we. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for you and what does it mean for me? First, it means that God offers his presence and promises to us just as we are. That brothers and sisters, like you don't have to become something other than you are to experience the presence of Jesus. You're not worthless. You're not purposeless. You're not an afterthought. Like you don't have to become something other than you are. And if you study more of Paul, you'll see that he's massively concerned with the division that stands between peoples and cultures in his day. And he fought hard against the systems that brought about those divides. And this is partly why he's fighting so hard in this passage. The Galatians are fine just as they are. They don't have to look like Jews to receive God. And you don't have to look like anybody in here or the people who you, or some idea of what you think a Christian is like for you to be accepted by God either. God loves the people around us just as they are. Now, as a note, I'm, what I'm not saying is that God, like, gives permission for us to sin and, 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 and live lives that are opposed to who we are. 
And that's actually it. There are certain things that, that our culture and the world tells us that we're supposed to do that are, it's not, what, the problem is that they're opposed to who fundamentally we are and who we are created to be. And so I'm not saying that God says that those things are okay. But what I am saying is that you don't have to be anyone other than you to know Jesus. And he invites you to him. What does that mean for us when we think of mission? What does that mean for us when we think about our neighbors? What does it mean for us when we think about being a people of shalom in the city? It means that we have to be aware of our own culture. It has to, we have to be aware of the different things and the different ways that we have put on clothes that literally, that, 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 are, that are more about uh, uh, an image than they are about a king. And we don't call people to those things. We call them the King Jesus. Next, we have to ask ourselves, are we controlled by the crowd or are we captivated by Jesus? Are you you controlled by the crowd or are you captivated by Jesus? If you actually think and, and, and take this from another angle and not just think about the Gentiles, but you think about the Jews who are, who are doing this, uh, uh, who, are, who, are, who are really doing this um, a slandering of Paul, consider the courage that it would take for them to step away for what they assume to be true. Maybe there's some things that we assume to be true. Maybe there's some things that we've gotten wrong theologically. Maybe there are some ways that we view God that are just wrong. And maybe God is actually calling us to move. And he's he's inviting us out. He's inviting us out to follow him onto the water that's not safe. We We have to ask ourselves, are we controlled by the crowd? Are we captivated by Jesus? Are we gonna stay amongst the masses? Are we gonna go where he takes us? And finally, we must consider the promises of God. God's promise is to make all things new. God's promise is to heal all the brokenness. God's promise is to do away with sin and injustice and pain and oppression and all the things that plague our world. God's promise is to do do away with the the darkness and the depression and the, the alienation and the isolation and all the things that mark us. That we struggle, man, I, I struggle with tons of, tons of those things. Over this last few years, it's been crazy with hell stuff. And, and I just beg God, and, I, as, I, and as, as we were singing that song, great is thy faithfulness, I was thinking, God, I can't wait for you to show up and do that finally. And if we are to follow Jesus wherever we go, if we see throughout the rest of the, 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 the letter to, to the Galatians, What you see Paul do is pointing them to the promises of God. And he says, it's worth it. And I tell you today that it's worth it. And I I ask you to come and follow Jesus. And let's do it together. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we want to know you. We want to experience you, God. Help us to follow you. Show us, Lord, what that means. God, help us to have courage. Help us to have courage. And would even right now, would you show us, Lord, where we're, we're being drawn by the crowd and where even maybe the mechanisms and the means that Paul used to, to grab back the attentions of the Galatians would grab our attention today. 
Would you give us the courage and would you give us not just faith, Lord, but would you give us an awareness of your presence even right now? Jesus, would you show us you're here with us? Would you reveal yourself to us? Would you heal even right now, Lord, those who are sick, those who are suffering, Lord, those with pain? As a testimony of your goodness and your presence. For your namesake, Lord, would you do it? Amen.